Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just before we get into the episode, I'd like to state that this was recorded on the 1st of October before we saw Ross Barkley score a goal against Liverpool and perform very well alongside Jack Grealish and company. This episode was set to be a little bit of a look at what we can expect from Ross Barkley, but I think we all know a little bit more about the player now we've seen him play. However, we've spoken to David Hughes, our scouting writer here at Reach PLC, and he's also a big Everton fan. So I'll hand you over to James and David and I'll let them crack on with the rest of the episode. You are listening to AVFC Extra, a no-nonsense look at the club we all love. Brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast. Hello and welcome to AVFC Extra, a little extra dose of uh, Aston Villa into your weekly routine. I hope you enjoyed our last episode, by the way. It was a quick look at scouting abbreviations, but here we are with a full fat thing. Aston Villa have signed Ross Barkley. It was a bit of a surprise, but he joins the club on a season-long loan. That leaves plenty of questions to answer. I'm James Rushton. Today, I'm joined by Reach PLC scouting writer David Hughes to speak about Ross Barkley at length. So, David, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, James. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm buzzing, man. I didn't expect uh, Villa to be signing someone like Ross Barkley. And yeah. I, I mean, I say someone like Ross Barkley. You're going to tell <laughs> us what Ross Barkley we've signed. Um, <laughs> David, you're an Everton fan, right? You've got a lot to say about this guy. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, at Everton, I should say, we we loved Ross Barkley. You know, we kind of exploded onto the scene. Um and for a couple of seasons, at least, he was he was an integral player, really, to, to Everton and what he was trying to achieve at the time. He left under a little bit of a of a cloud, shall we say, um, which soured the relationship a little bit. I think, certainly from an Evertonian's point of view, I think, you know, Ross himself tries to maintain this kind of love for Everton and um, he still talks hard. He often still talks as if he's a big Everton fan, but... Yeah, certainly with Evertonians, I think the way he left kind of soured the the relationship somewhat. So I think what we need to hear is what type of player was he at Everton? Because there's a good comparison to Jack Grealish, actually. Mm. By the age of 24, Ross Barkley had appeared 152 times in the Premier League, scoring 21 goals. And I know that he came through at a time... Like it's almost like that time didn't exist anymore with, with the product the Premier League is now. But Grealish has only got, and I know Villa weren't in the Premier League for a decent span of time. Grealish has only 72 appearances, 10 goals. So this guy was performing highly at, at the highest level for Everton, really, wasn't he? Yeah, look, he was he was a really exciting player. I, I can't really emphasise that enough. Um, at the time he was coming through, he was he was already known to Evertonians before he'd made his debut because there was a lot of talk about a young local lad coming through and, and, and doing impressive stuff. You know, so in fact, if I remember correctly, Tim Cahill, who was obviously a you know a huge player for Everton, he said uh, he said Barkley was arguably the most talented player he'd, he'd ever worked with. Certainly at the time, he said that, and he uh, he hasn't played at much bigger clubs since. So, you know, that's a testament to the ability he had. Um, he made his debut in a bit of a, a naff defeat at home to QPR back in 2011, 
which is a long time ago now. He, he must only be maybe 16, 17, but he got mad a match for that game. Then he, there was long spells to Leeds, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, where he didn't really pull up any trees. Well, they didn't really play, if we're being totally honest. But then he came back 2013-14 season, started in Everton's opener against Norwich and, and scored a fantastic goal with his, his weaker foot from outside the box in a two-all draw. And yeah, for that campaign where Everton were on fire, they just missed out on Champions League under Roberto Martinez. Uh, he was just such an important player to the, to the side. So we've got to discuss this exit then, I guess, because he's moved to, he moved to Chelsea and I guess the career progression there is Everton, Chelsea and onwards. And that's not really what, no disrespect to Villa, of course. If we I was just about yeah. to say, this is a Villa <laughs> part, isn't it? Let's, uh, let's put them in the sky. But... This move came about. We'll go into that first. What happened there? Yeah. So it was a very strange one. So, um, at the at the the last season of Martinez, where things really fell apart for Everton, I think they finished eleventh in the table. Uh, they had a good. I mean, ironically, looking back, it wasn't too bad. They finished eleventh. Um, they got to the semi final League Cup, semi final the FA Cup, and had a good run in the Europa League. So they were very much a cup side that year. But um, obviously, Everton have bigger ambitions to be pushing up, you know, towards the top end of the Premier League and. Um, it went a little bit sour with Martinez, but even despite the fact that he finished 11th in that year, Barkley playing as an attacking midfielder, he got 11 goals and 11 assists, which is, you know, an impressive output really for, for any midfielder. And then um, Ronald Koeman come in the, the following campaign and he was, Barkley was kind of a big player under Koeman, but there was rumours of a bit of a, a rift between the two um, that seemed to go on for a little while. And then it seemed like that was kind of something that loomed over Barkley and talk of him potentially wanting to leave. He got injured that summer, um, following another decent campaign, I might add. He scored six goals and assisted a further seven. So, you know, he's definitely a player who produces output from midfield. Um, yeah, he picked up an injury that summer. And then there was this talk of Chelsea wanting to go Chelsea. He had a medical Chelsea. I don't. I, I'm, I, he may have even passed the medical, but for whatever reason, the move fell through, and we've kind of joined the dots and assumed that the club said to him, "Look, you're injured. Go back to Everton for three months, and we'll come back into you. Uh, come back in for you in January." That's what he did. Kept all very hush hush though. Um, so come back. You basically did his recovery with Everton, and then left in that January um, for 15 million less than what he would have left for in the summer. So yeah, it yeah. just kind of felt like he'd, uh, you know, for his boyhood club, as he calls it, you know, it felt like he pulled a bit of a dirty trick on them, and it's something Evertonians haven't really forgiven them for. Was if I remember correctly, wasn't the mayor of Liverpool like didn't <laughs> kick off about this? What did what happened? Sadly, then? he did. Yeah, you know, we've <laughs> tried to forget about that one. Uh, yeah, Joe Anderson. You know, we, I'm sure there was a reference to calling the police or something, which. <laughs> You know, as we as we talk now, my toes are killing. Um But yeah, it was a bad one. It, it just it was a very sour end. So what? It didn't have to be that. And one thing I will say is, I, I do like Barkley, and we're going to talk about you know specific shortly about how good of a player he is and what he's going to do bring to Villa. But it did all almost feel that the move was a little bit premature in terms of his career path. Because although he, I was talking about the, the decent output he'd had, how he, how good he was for Everton, there was still a lot of negatives to his game, a lot of things that he needed coaching out of him. Um, 
And of course, he's then traded Everton, where he'd be playing week in, week out to go to a a, a super club, really Chelsea, um, who were competing Champions League every year. Then it's 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 not really a surprise that he has um, he's he struggled a little for a little bit for for regular game time. Yeah, I think the best way to kind of talk about that this time at Chelsea then is not in terms of like the move or the fee or even his role. It's minutes, like just mm. pure match minutes in the Premier League. Six seasons at Everton, 77% of their Premier League minutes he played in. Four seasons at Chelsea. And I know there's been injuries and stuff that's happened here and there. 24% of available match time, which when you lie out like that, that's that's a drop. You know, yeah. you, you'd expect even, even as a bit part player, 40%, 50%. To, you know, to drop that far is uh, it's quite stunning, and you know, for a player, he's quite obvious quality as well. For the start, a hundred and over a hundred, even hundred and twenty at Everton, maybe twenty eight at Chelsea in four seasons, which is I may I mean he has played in the Champions League here and there in the Europa League, but in the Premier League, you know, the bread and butter, he hasn't been available at Chelsea at all. So, is there any background on that? Whether his roles changed and he's just not fitting in there anymore? I think it's tough. It's, you know, as I've just said, you're going to a, a top, top side and Chelsea's always a turbulent environment, isn't it? But he hasn't really found spots in the team. You've just alluded to it there. He's played less than 1,400 league minutes in each campaign, like full campaign he's been there. Um, and I think the issue is there's there's probably just a little bit too much competition in that midfield. If you if you look at it since Maurizio Sarri's been there, um, obviously he brought Jorginho with him. Jorginho is such a kind of unique profile. He almost has to play in that number six role to impact the game. So if you're thinking of a three-man midfield like Chelsea seem to play, you've you've got Jorginho who takes the number six. So then he's Barkley's battling for one of the two number eight places. We've got N'Golo Kante in the side who's still considered one of the best midfielders in the world. So he's getting pushed into one of those number eights. So then you've got Barkley really competing with the other midfielders in the team to to kind of get in that side. And if you think who you've got in there, you've got like Kovacic, for example, who I think is a, a great midfielder. You know, you're trying to get Barkley in in that side over these top players. And I just don't think he's he's done um, enough when he has played to, to persuade the different managers he, he has had that he should be in the team. So there's massive competition when you put it all like that, like that there's just massive competition isn't there like there yeah. could be if just making it up there could be like a, an 18 year old that comes up and bosses the world moves to Chelsea and how do you fit in any pre-existing player they just get kind of pushed aside I mean situation might be uh, similar at Liverpool even Everton with James Rodriguez joining like you have to make the, these signings when they're available and that situation is obviously now at Villa with Conor Harahan now kind of who, who has had a good start to the season being kind of pushed aside bringing a quality player like Ross Barkley so it is a uh, it is odd I wanted to go into his position actually because it seemed like he'd have more license to be advanced at Everton maybe as a number 10 or, or whatever but at Chelsea it looks like that may have forced his career to develop in a, a certain different way just to fit in that team where and he's not even there anymore yeah well that's it so I mean one thing you will say he's a versatile player uh, you know he can't play different roles within midfield but predominantly at, at Everton he was in those kind of years that I touched on earlier, he's, he's an attacking midfielder, you know, a kind of somewhere in between the line, bit of a, a number 10 type, uh, someone who can influence the play in the in the final third, I guess. Chelsea don't really play with a, a number 10, at least they mostly haven't. Um, and this is what, I, this is kind of why I was saying that the move didn't make sense. I think he was ill-advised because 
And Everton, you know, there's a good chance they would have built the team around him. I know Everton's been a bit of a turbulent place, to say the least, before Ancelotti come in. But, you know, he's... He, he, he could he could probably play five games, not have a great game in either, and still be in in the side. Whereas you go to Chelsea and the, there is that competition. There's already not really a natural fit or spot for you in the team, so you're having to come on with twenty minutes to go and impact the game. Or you've got one start and you have to hit the ground running. Otherwise, you know you're not going to maintain a spot in the team. Um, and that's that. You know when you kind of lay it out like that, it's quite easy to see why he's probably struggled to succeed at Chelsea so far. Yeah, it almost seems like a, an admin issue more than anything else <laughs> in terms of like squad build. So people do look at it like almost like in terms of like a video game, like if, you, if you're not being selected to an absolute failure and there could be myriad reasons why you're, you're not being picked and it could just be down to the constant nature of transfers. I know Chelsea's a, a, a weird example because I know they couldn't make any signings uh, last season for a, a big part, part of it. Bar Pulisic who came in, um, but that was pre-agreed. Stuff like that kind of, it just it's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, in terms of that move to Chelsea. And I guess this is the end of it now. Unless there's a mega season at Villa, he moves elsewhere. But this looks like uh, the end of it at Chelsea. Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, I think even if he has a great season at Villa, it's, I think it's going to be hard. And I, I noticed when he when he joined Villa, he was talking about uh, potentially kind of getting regular game time and getting back in the England setup. But I just think he's going to he's going to struggle, even if he really does well at, at Villa. I, I just can't see him getting back to Chelsea and even even back to England because. You know, look how hard Grealish has had to work to get in that England squad. You know, he's been phenomenal for a long time. He's a fantastic player. And it was only, the I think, wasn't it, the the last set of international yeah. fixtures with somebody else dropping out injured. Was that right? Yeah, I think even with uh, Foden and, and Greenwood and them getting kind of disciplined, it's like... It, it, happened as like a, almost like an admin error again like these things just seem to have to fall in place or they just don't at all so yeah. Ross Barkley he's not even in this this current England squad and that's no. obviously for a good reason but it seems like, like you're saying it's you could do everything right and it just not work out for you but um, mm. that doesn't really affect uh, necessarily affect Aston Villa does it because he could have like Grealish a fantastic season yeah look Villa you know Villa have the potential to be the winners in this situation because uh, as you said you know it was a Tough first campaign back in the Premier League last season. There was obviously areas that they needed to strengthen. And you look at the window now with um, obviously Martinez who come in, um, Traore's come in, uh, then Watkins as well. If you're Barkley in that group now, you think that's that's been a really good window so far. Um, you know, the, there's definitely the, the side has definitely been strengthened. Um, and I do think that. Barkley has the potential to to bring some really good things to the the Villa squad this season or Villa side. So diving into the player a little deeply then, I think one thing that always comes up when people are speaking about Ross Barkley is physicality, which isn't, it's never a trait I assign to a number 10, but as he says, box to box number eight now, that's a perfect trait for him at Villa, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, he is. He's he's had that really from a young age. Maybe that's why he, he was so so quick to to kind of hit Premier League levels because he is strong. He's difficult to dislodge off the ball. Um, you know, he's got, he's got decent pace as well, uh, carries the ball well. I think that's one of his best things. He, he He's very penetrative with the ball. We talked about Grealish earlier, and Grealish does that very well at Villa. And I think that's one of Barkley's strong points as well. He gets you up the pitch. 
And, you know, if you're the team who, I mean, we don't know how Villa are going to, how, how good Villa are going to be this year, how they're going to necessarily play in each game. But if you think if, they, if you're going to be penned in a little bit at times, having that player who can, who can, you know, take the ball from deep and carry it right up the pitch the way Grealish does. Um, but having two players who can do that because I think it makes it so much more difficult for the opposition. You know, if you, if you kind of think of, all the best sides that, that they tend to be in terms of the, the attack, it's multifaceted. Now, if you think of Liverpool, they've got Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right, but then if it, if you're shutting the right side off, they'll big switch over to the left. Robertson, he's got threat. Mane, Salah. If you think of, I'll use Everton as a good example. Actually, Everton is a better example. Mm-hmm. So they've got a really good left back in the form of Luca Dean, uh, who's been you know fantastic really since he come in. Really good in the attack, but. Too many times last season, Everton were kind of reliant on building down that left. And I think that the kind of uh, opposition analysis in the Premier League would, would find ways to nullify that. And that would sometimes leave them a little bit um, restricted in the attack. Whereas this year, they brought James Rodriguez. He's on the opposite side. And now you've basically got a two-pronged attack, which can go either way. And that's kind of, to a lesser extent, how I'm envisioning seeing this for Villa, where you've got almost two... Grealish type profiles now and it's just going to be a little bit more difficult for opponents to to kind of compete against I think when I when you run the quick eye test over Ross Barkley you know if, if you go from highlights from when he kicked off to even the Chelsea days what you see is a player who carries the ball a player who makes sometimes the right quick decisions um, a player who holds off a lot of challenges and can kind of just control a bit of possession and kind of change that tempo when uh, they're getting harried on the press so I think to go into that what are Ross Barkley's strengths? I think you've just listed a lot of them there to be honest I think um, if you you know he's, he's, he's a good ball carrier really good dribbler uh, I think he has potential to really legitimately contribute in the attack and third now, I reeled off some basic numbers earlier about his, his goals and assists. Um, I wonder if I kept... No, I didn't. I had his um, Y-Scout page up early because I was quite impressed with just his, his general kind of, you know, shock rate and actions and, and and that kind of thing. So I think he's, in short, he's a player who'll, who'll add a lot going forward. Um, he'll add stuff in the attack and third, but he'll also contribute defensively. I think that's why there's a big focus on talking about him being a box-to-box midfielder, like that number eight. You know, I, I got the impression from his, his interview uh, with Aston Villa once he signed that um, Dean Smith has basically said to him, you know, we're going to use you as a box-to-box number eight. And I think that's that will be a, a good role for him because we've just touched on his physicality. I think that aids him in the defensive aspects of the game as well. And the way Villa are, where it's, you know, every game's a tough game. You need players who not only contribute going forward and in the attack, but those same players also need to contribute in the defence. So, yeah, I think here, to summarise, you've got a player who's good on the ball. Uh, he, he, he's fairly good passer of the ball as well. He'll contribute in the attack and third, but he'll also get his hands a little bit dirty and, you know, do some of the defensive work. I think the flip side then I think not Villa fans don't want to hear it but there has to be some negatives there has to be not negatives but some weaknesses to Ross Barkley there's weaknesses with with Grealish McGinn Harahan Douglas Louise whoever Ross Barkley could play with or throughout his career so same has to apply to him right there there are some weaknesses that we have to kind of oh, touch yeah. on. everyone has weaknesses um you know, it's it, it, it's best to be objective on the analysis and just be honest. And yeah. I think f- the biggest for me with Barkley is um, 
his decision making. I think he uh, he's he's inclined too often to maybe dawdle on the ball or um, make the make the wrong pass decision. Or you know, he could carry the ball twenty yards, really good run, and then he'll he'll have two fairly good passing options, and he'll he'll just overthink the moments and end up getting dispossessed by the closest defender. He has that in him, and that's always been a problem that he hasn't seemed to be able to shake. And I think even if you've if you've watched much of Chelsea, much of England as well, that's 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 something that is tends to be a recurring theme with with Barkley. And I'm hoping maybe now at Villa, uh, playing week in week out, he'll start fine tuning that. And because if he does, I think he can go that next level. But that's definitely the biggest issue I have with Barkley. I think his decision making is. It's just not always what it needs to be. So I think that brings us on to something that I've, I've heard a lot with um, Ross Barkley and that neutrals or people with that maybe biased agenda, people who who support the arrival club to for, for Barkley's career, whether it's Chelsea or Everton, may paint a picture of like a, a greedy player who's making the wrong decisions. But maybe it is a case of over four, when when he's instinctive, he hasn't got time, so he, he's just making those quick decisions and he's nailing it every time when he's dribbled across a pitch and then suddenly he has to stop and like think about something. Maybe he feels more inclined to take someone on himself and fail or make the wrong decision. Then maybe it's a case of cutting out and force him into quick thinking situations and um, giving him too far too much of the ball and thus far too much time. Yeah, that's it. You know, one thing I wouldn't throw at him is I wouldn't say he's uh, he's greedy. Yeah. So, you know, those people saying that, I, I disagree. I think it is, as you just said, it is decision-making. You know, he, he is a good player instinctively. Um, I, I can think of numerous assists that he he, he had at Goodison Park. I remember one goal, when, this is when his tail was really up as a player, and he kind of, Everton, you know, I think they beat Bournemouth 5-2 or something, a bit of a crazy game, but he... Um, if, if anyone watching this or listen, listening can go and find the goal, it's quite a funny one to see. But he rounds a keeper and then he starts celebrating before he put it in <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, I remember the that. Actually. Yeah. And it was really, it was it was just a sign of the kind of player he was at the time and the confidence he had. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, but just going back to my original point, sorry, I wouldn't say he was greedy. It is just that decision making. And he's still only 26. So he's, he's arguably just coming into his prime years. So if, if he can, as I said, if he can fine tune that. It, there's, there's not many weaknesses he has. Um, yeah, he's got a great shot. He's he's good two-footed. He he has almost you know a perfect profile. It's just he just needs to be a little bit smarter, bit 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 better of a football IQ. And you know, as I said, he can go that next level. So I think the platform for that next level has to be Aston Villa, right? It's a, it's a loan deal. He's got he's got a spot in the squad already. It seems like so. It seems like he's going to get those minutes he needs to kick on, fine tune some of the aspects of his play. And um, where I see him fitting in, as he's mentioned, is a box to box. But I feel like there's two ways that could work for Villa. It could be like last season when they started, when they've got Grealish and McGinn kind of doing similar roles in midfield, or it could be like it is now, where McGinn's essentially so far up the pitch as a striker and Barkley's connecting him and him and Louise. Do you think it will change back to back to what it was where McGinn and Barkley are somewhat equals in that role? Or would it be him just replacing Harahan, maybe, and uh, McGinn's left up the pitch? Yeah, that's that's actually a tough one to call. I'm, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too sure. In, in my opinion, I'd probably like to see Barkley uh, coming from a little bit deeper and you know bringing the ball up to the to the attack. I think kind of fluctuating between the 
those two positions, you know, centre of the pitch and the attack is what he's good at. And I probably call him like a, a water carrier, I guess. You know, he's someone who kind of can collect the ball and and and, and connect to the to the players further up the field. That's how I how I see Barkley, you know, water carrier, bat and carry, whatever you want to call it, call it. I think that's what he's suited for. So out of those two options, I think that's probably what he would bring more to, to the Villa side. Villa aren't going to change from a midfield three, I don't think, anytime soon because they've been right under the fire and haven't done it. They've already kind of kept to that same structure. So I think Barkley would be left-sided midfielder, which would put him directly into the path of Jack Greeley shooting in playing situations, which for me as a Villa fan seems, very, after all you've mentioned, seems very exciting, that combination with Grealish. Do you think they would work well together? I mean, they seem yeah. like friends from what we've seen, so maybe some chemistry already. Yeah, no, definitely. As I said, he's... Um... I mean, they, they do seem like really good mates, which is good to see because I think the players who like each other always seem to play a little bit be- better. Um, you know, it's something that you pick up on when, when you're watching. These two clearly get on. Um, I like him on the left because, as I said, he is two-footed, so he can he, he can use his left efficiently. So if you're talking about getting, you know, passes out to Grealish, that'll work. But what I really like about being on that side is his tendency to, you know, kind of cut in. Um, and onto his favoured right foot, where he can only shot himself towards goal. I think that's something to keep an eye on this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him score one or two from from outside the box, cutting into, onto his right foot. Um, it's 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 what he's good at. So that that position is perfect. It's just sound like he he makes Villa a lot more dangerous. And now it's kind of the time to kind of put you on the spot. I'm not, I don't want you to say Villa are going to finish sixth or fourth or get relegated, but want to kind of hyper focus on Ross Barkley. What what would you predict from his season with Villa? Um, I do expect him to have a good season. Actually, I think it's just a really good place for him to be. I think he's. He, I can't see him having one or two bad games and being relegated to the bench. You know, which is really important for him because he probably does need that arm around the shoulder a little bit. Uh, I think Dean Smith will will do that. Um, he, you know, he'll he, if he can get the best out of him. Then, but you're gonna have a really good play on your hands. You know, I think he could contribute to Villa having a good season this season. Um, because you know, I looked a little, I've looked a little bit into Villa, certainly post lockdown. I think defensively, they look so much better. All the underlying numbers say the same as well. You know, it hasn't been by a fluke, it's almost chalk and cheese compared to what we've seen before lockdown. So, you'd like to think that's getting a little bit stronger defensively. Um, Grealish was always a threat, um, but now you've got somebody else in there as well able to do that. I like McGinn. I know McGinn was there, but and he missed parts through injury, didn't he last season? I'm aware yeah. of that. Um, but then you know, even the attack now, it, it felt to me like sometimes Villa certainly recruitment last year. I think it was tough because they had to buy a lot of players, you know, because I know they had a lot of loans in the in the last season in the championship, so I know they had to recruit a lot. But it does feel like this year did the 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 buying a bit more proven talent. You know, I think Barkley, although it's going to be a big campaign for him, he's proven. I think Watkins has already shown that he can score plenty of goals. If you kind of think of the likes of Samata and things, it was there was always question marks about how how they'd succeed. Yeah. Uh, even Wesley, I know he, he suffered with a really bad injury, um, but there was still a little bit of question marks over there. But I think they bought really well, and. Yeah, I think I think Barkley's gonna gonna well certainly has the potential to be a huge player for them um, in terms of having a good campaign. 
Perfect. Thank you very much, David. Uh, I guess one thing we need to leave you with is uh, we need some contact details from you. Where can people find you if they want to bug you about Ross Barkley for the rest yeah. of the season? So firstly, before they go, I want to acknowledge the mess in the background. I was telling uh, James before we started recording, I am not a big scruff. Uh, I'm, I'm moving out, so we, we're basically packing all our stuff up. Although, I'm not sure about that fake Chanel bag. I think that can, that can go in the bed. I don't know where that's come from. Oh, don't uh, worry, mate. I mean, um, people always tell me about my blind. Do I know how to open it? <laughs> There's a good reason why it's closed. It's, you know, exposure. We, we know this. But it um, doesn't stop people reaching out saying, do you need help? But you're blind. Oh, no, mate. <laughs> oh, it's funny, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, so in terms of probably, you know, if people want to follow any of my stuff or, you know, chat to me about Barclay, um yeah, if you got Twitter's probably best. It's uh, at da hughes underscore. Yeah, I do write stuff about Villa as well, um, occasionally. So there's, there's, there'll be pieces there if, if people want to check them out. But yeah, that's it. Twitter uh, at da hughes underscore. It's David Alexander Hughes. I'm not precious over the middle name. Somebody, uh, somebody in the company has got David Hughes first, so I've had to put my middle name in, and I received plenty of stick for that. Trust me. <laughs> yeah speaking of writing actually we do have a ross barkley profile on the website from um josh of course wow. he is uh the the dual threat the, the joint um scouting writers in the company right? i was wondering why he was messaging me last night asking me to profile and for them that must have been why <laughs> uh yeah i should have had a joint byline on that one i think but yeah it's which uh, one of yeah. you begin and which one's grealish uh, I'll go Grealish all day. Yeah, he's, he, he's got the same size as McGinn, so he can be the small one. <laughs> Fair play. Well, thank you very much for coming on, David. Appreciate it. I'm sure Villa fans have got a, uh, a better insight into what exactly Ross Barkley is going to bring to the club. Yeah, hopefully. Enjoy him. Thank you for listening to AVFC Extra, an additional dose of Aston Villa content for you, brought to you by the Claret and Blue podcast team. If you enjoyed the episode, please do get in touch with us, get involved in the comment sections, tweet us at Claret Blue Pod, or leave us a review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll catch you again very soon with some more content. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.